usually live in the world. I'm not saying that we um, that this is the way we can conceive good and evil, but but a lot of times this is the way ultimately we relate to to the world. I I remind you of the the Haman story. This that's the way it is. Uh, way of dealing with reality, the natural order of things. We are, in a way, or for living us, Western man is cynical about ethics, about morals. We can always say, well, but what if not? What if maybe, maybe there is no such a thing as absolute good and absolute, absolute evil? Maybe, you know, everything is culturally uh, contextualizable. Everything is, in a, is part of, of, a tr- of, of a culture. I'm not doing the good because there is a real call of the good, but because that's how I was raised. Uh, raised and that's, like, that's how my culture tells me, that's what my culture tells me about the good. Good is relative. Relativity of good means also always relativity of evil. If one relativizes good, then he always already relativizes evil. One could even say more. One relativizes good in order to be able to relativize evil. So, the normal order of things, for Levinas at least, and I think this is something we can accept, the, the normal order is this is this order. Unfortunately, we have to admit that a lot of times the way we look at reality, the way we are taught to look at reality is, is this way. Politics is cynical uh, and a lot of times when we read reality, when we try to decipher reality, we do it with, a, with political eyes. There is a question of in, there are a lot of questions of interests, of forces, of relations of power. It's not sure where the ethical comes to play a role in it. You said before, where do we experience the unconditionality and the good? And the I, 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 you will be I, yes, that, that's 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 the subject of the first part of our session today. So I'm coming back to it. I just I did a little digression saying that. We, I don't have to show you where this okay. appears. What is, what is difficult to explain is where this actually is experienced. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where do we have an experience of this unconditionality of the good? Mm-hmm. And here is Levinas, that, that's the one of the, of the, if not the most important thing that Levinas did in his philosophy is to point out where we experience the unconditionality of the good. Where do we encounter this, this extraordinary reality? Because this is the ordinary reality. So our question is, where do we encounter tachlis, so we say, in, 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 in Hebrew and Yiddish, tachlis, where does this unconditionality of being appear to us? If we answer this question, or answering this question will be a key to understand even better 
everything that Levinas did from the start and is then really clear true about the relation. So where does this unconditionality of the good occur in our lives or appear to us? Levinas answers whenever we meet truly meet face to face the other person. When we are truly in a relation with the other, what Levinas calls when the face of the other appears to us, when we see a face, we experience the unconditionality of the good. Or stated differently, the encounter with the faith is the encounter with the unconditionality of the good. That's what we will have to understand now. Okay, that's Levinas's and that's that's Levinas's major thesis. If uh, if 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 you would have an exam at the end of the of the class, which you you won't have. Fortunately for me and for you, uh, well, what's Levinas' main main uh, uh, idea? This is Levinas' main idea: that the, the relation with the other, the, the the encounter with the other, the revelation of the face of the other, the visage, Levinas says, the visage, the face of the other, is actually an encounter with the unconditionality of the good. So this is what we have to understand today. What does it mean to be face to face with the other? And in order to answer this question, I want to do a little detour and look at a more philosophical text of Levinas. It's a text um, from um, a, a series of interviews, one long interview. Uh, it's called, called uh, Ethics and the Infinite. Infinite, uh, infinite? infinite? Ethics and Infinity, thank you. Ethics and Infinity. It was done in 1918, those interviews. Levinas speaks with a young philosopher called Philippe Nemo. You have there the PHN goes for Philippe Nemo. Uh, no, 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 take, no, 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 it's... Well, you gave me three, yes, on the same page. Oh, sorry, that's, so... That's perfectly okay. No, 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 so just, uh, I guess... You gave me three. I gave you three too? So which are, okay, I thought yeah. they were, okay, so um, just give me back the ones. You you got three uh, different, yes? Yeah? Okay, so, so th this would be the second page. Um, here it is, here you go, and... And uh, and the last one. Okay, so you have the pH M. It goes for Philippe Nemo, and then Levinas uh, is E L. There is a nice uh, debate with uh, Derrida. You know Derrida, so he. he this is a kind of very uh, 
special uh, writer, Derrida, and he, he, he has one text where he addresses Levinas. So he addresses Levinas by the term El. 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 Now, El are the initials of Levinas, but also in Hebrew, right. God. So, <laughs> and he does this because, exactly because of this idea of Levinas, that the encounter with the other is in a way uh, an encounter with God. Okay, I, 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 please join us. Um, but that, that's just an anecdote we'll understand it better um, later. Here are the texts for today. And the name of the other philosopher? Yes, yeah, so he, his name Derrida. is Philippe Nemo. No, not the, his That's name is, No, the name of the philosopher who is interviewing uh, Levinas here is Philippe Nemo. N-E-M-O? N-E-M-O, yeah. Um, he's a, he's a, again, he's, he's a philosopher in his 30s, young, kind of naive, but, but it, and it was an interview given, uh, broadcasted, broadcasted uh, in the uh, French uh, radio. Uh, and so, so, so it's, 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 an, it's a philosophical text, but it's uh, also a text which is, uh, um, is for the for the large public, so it's not it's not a very difficult philosophical text of Levinas, and in this text, Levinas explains what he uh, understands by the encounter with the other. So I want to make a little digression. To I want to read uh, some parts of this text, and then we'll go back to the Talmudic lecture, and we'll close the, the study. So it's. It's an interview, so maybe we'll just enact it. Somebody will be Philippe Nemo and somebody will be Levinas. So, who wants to be Philippe Nemo? You'll be Okay, and Levinas? <laughs> he takes the part of Levinas. Just reading it or explaining it? Reading it, explaining it. I'm just going to interview you. You just answer. Okay, so please. Um, in totality and infinity, you speak at great length of the face. It is one of your frequent themes. What does this phenomenology of the face, that is, this analysis of what happens when I look at the other face to face, consist in, and what is its purpose? I do not know if one can speak of a phenomenology of the face, since phenomenology describes what appears. So, too, I wonder if one can speak of a look turned toward the face. For the look is knowledge, perception. I think rather that access to the face is straightaway ethical. You turn yourself towards the other as toward an object. So you see a nose, eyes, a forehead, a chin, and you could describe them. The best way of encountering the other is not even to notice the color of his eyes. When one observes the color of the eyes, one is not in social relationship with the other. The relationship, the relation with the face can surely be dominated by perception. But what is specifically the face is what cannot be reduced to that. Okay, thank you. Let's stop here and then we'll continue. So first surprise, um, first surprise, um, and here we are just trying to follow Levinas' phenomenology of the face, which means Levinas is trying to describe what does it mean to encounter a face. And the first thing he says is that one does, does not really encounter a face when one sees the plastic aspects of the face of the other. Looking at the other 
but the others eyes, the color of the eyes, nose, chin, etc., etc., means avoiding to actually be in a relation with the other. And here you see how this very simple, sim very simple um, intuition is in fact extremely, extremely powerful because what does it say? It says that knowledge is not, or there is there is a, 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 a limit, there is a limit to knowledge. Looking at the other as if the other was an object, meaning trying to understand him, trying to grasp him, and it starts with trying to, to grasp the, 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 the plastic aspect of his face, but, and it ends by trying to, to, to anticipate his moves or her moves or, or trying to say that I know somebody because I know uh, what his social uh, status is or what he is doing in his life or where he was born, etc., etc. Livna says there is, strictly speaking, no true knowledge of the other or we Oh, there is a knowledge of the other, but knowing the, the other does not mean being in a relation with the other. In order to be a, in a relation with the other, something else is needed than a relation of knowledge. The face is that what cannot be reduced to perception. Divna says the relation with the other can surely be dominated by perception. Of course, I can, I can very easily describe the color of your, of your eyes. But what is specifically the face is what cannot be reduced to that. Now, let's go to the next um, paragraph, because there Divna says positively what it means to be in a relation with the face, or how the face appears when it appears not in a relation of knowledge, but as a social, what you call a social relationship. Yes, please. There is first the very uprightness of the face, its upright exposure without defense. The skin of the face is that which stays most naked, most destitute. It is the most naked, though with a decent nudity. It is the most destitute also. There is an essential poverty in the face. The proof of this, is that one tries to mask this poverty by putting on poses, by taking on a countenance. The face is exposed, menaced, as if inviting us to an act of violence. At the same time, the face is what forbids us to kill. Thank you. Could you say what the word in French is destitute? I think it's destitue. I didn't mm -hmm. brought, uh, I don't have the French here. Thanks. I think it's destitue. Uh, yeah. Upright exposure, Lina says, without defense. The face is the part of the body which is naked, which, concretely speaking, we, we are not also clothing, or not clothing our faces. Face is, stays exposed. If you want, the, the face and the hands, I think, are the two parts of the human body who always are exposed. Not in the deep New York winter, but in uh, normal places. <laughs> not in, in Saudi Arabia. Not <laughs> 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 in Saudi Arabia or, For women. or in Paris. No. Uh, <laughs> right, it would be in Paris. Yeah, it would be in Paris. No, no. 
upright exposure. Levina speaks, speaks about a decent nudity. And here we are in a phenomenological exercise, which means that I can't, Levinas cannot convince us, he just tries to describe something. Maybe we didn't saw something, maybe something escaped us, and now he's trying to, to, to actually unveil, uncover what it is that appears to us when face appears to us. And Levinas says what appears to us when a face appears to us is extreme vulnerability. That's what Levinas describes here. He's without defense, completely exposed, vulnerable. But the vulnerability of the face is withholding something extremely um, difficult to, to catch, but which is, at the same time, also very intuitive. Because this fragility of the faith, because this vulnerability of the faith, my relation with it is a relation of, and here is those two extraordinary phrases where Levina says, the face is exposed as if inviting us to an act of violence. I want, I want to, there is something in the face which invites violence, as if vulnerability was unbearable, as if I would like this not to be a part of my world, as if this nudity is disturbing, and it is disturbing because, because it suggests something com completely different, something completely new, something which does not inscribe itself in this natural order of things. So I, wa I want this, this, this uh, uh, strange, strange thing not to be part of my world. So it invites to an act, it invites uh, to an act of violence. But at the same time, at the same time, the face is what forbids us to kill. Fragility or vulnerability is, as Levinas uh, uh, describes it, is kind of two-sided. Two there is a kind of desire to, to break what is breakable, to destroy what is weak, but weakness in itself has a power because weakness calls upon me to defend it, to care for it, to not to, to break the breaking. The face is this strange thing, strange uh, event in being which defies the violent, the powerful the natural course of, of things. 
It invites us to an act of violence, as it, at the same time, the face is what forbids us to kill. Let's, let's continue uh, the reading. Let's at least read one more paragraph, and then, uh, because Levinas is, is Levinas writing is writing, and it, maybe we, we saw it in uh, already in the in the Talmudic text. Levinas is kind of always is not going forward. Is 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 like going in circles. His writing is very circular. He, he but not repeating himself. A circle or yeah, it's, it's, how do you call it? Where it goes deeper and deeper. A spiral. It's, yeah, a spiral kind of. So this spiralic uh, writing is very helpful because we can, if we don't grasp it the first time, Levinas will now try to catch it from another angle. Okay, so let's add to it another angle and then we'll try to re, uh, rephrase it and see the, the face. Levinas here is trying to show us what is a face. So I can say, well, the face something the, the most banal thing in our, in, our, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our daily lives. We are always exposed to face. Levinas' input is, well, maybe we are, while being totally exposed to faces, we didn't um, actually um, realize what the stakes of being in relation with a face are. What is at stakes in this, in this interaction between humans, which is extraordinary. So let's, let's read another uh, paragraph. War stories tell us, in fact, that it is difficult to kill someone who looks straight at you. So, so Philippe Nemo is a young philosopher, so he wants to help the, the professor. He says, "Yes, you're right. It's, we 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 have stories of that the, the testifies of this difficulty of like, killing somebody while looking at its face. There is a kind of resistance. That's what Levinas says when, when he says the face is what forbids us to kill. There is as if as if the, the face was forbidding us something." Without saying it, without saying that the face says, don't kill me, like verbalize, it, the, face is, the, the face does not verbalize this, this, uh, uh, this uh, um, uh, command, but it is as if this um, command is inscribed in the face of the other. So, Levinas answers. The face is signification, and signification without context. I mean that the other, in the rectitude of his face, is not a character within a context. Ordinarily, one is a character, a professor at the Sorbonne, a Supreme Court justice, son of so-and-so, everything that is in one's passport, the manner of dressing, of presenting oneself. And all signification, in the usual sense of the term, is relative to such a context. The meaning of something is in its relation to another thing. Here, to the contrary, the face is meaning all by itself. You are you. In this sense, one can say that the face is not seen. It is what cannot become a content, which your thought would embrace. It is uncontainable. It leads you beyond. It is in this that the signification of the face makes it escape from being, as a correlate of a knowing. Vision, to the contrary, is a search for adequation. It is what par excellence absorbs, being. But the relation to the face is straightaway ethical. The face is what one cannot kill, or at least it is that whose meaning consists in saying, thou shalt not kill. Thank you. 
that he says merger is banned in fact, he's not describing here a, a, a concrete situation. Of course, one can kill his fellow man. Not only can he kill his fellow man, this is one of the most banal uh, events in the history of humankind, killing man, killing uh, his, his fellow man. And still, and still Levinas uh, assesses that there is a ethical uh, moment in the relation with the face of the other consisting in recognizing that the other says, you shall not kill. But n let's return to the, to, the, to, the, to the first part of this paragraph, which is, which is um, also very important to understand what this face, what the face means for Levinas, and to this idea that, that the face is signification without context. Signification without context. Because here we have, again, this is something which Levinas recognizes in the face, which is extraordinary, which is not usual, which is unique. Okay, the meaning of the face is unique in that the meaning of the face is not a meaning which is granted to it by means of him being part of a context, but its meaning is inherent to, to him. And Levinas says, the usual sense of the term signification is relative to a context. If, if, I, if I ask what is, a, what is this, what is a glass, and I say, well, a glass is a, a recipient in which I can pour a liquid and which I can put on the table, and the table is that which holds the, the, uh, the cup, and, the, uh, and it's also this on which I put my stuff, and we are in the building. Signification is context, and context is signification. Okay, when you try to understand something, when I try to understand something, the process of understanding something is putting it into context. Okay? Putting it into context mean, meaning relating it to things I know. The unknowable is known by means of putting it in the context which I know. Okay? If I don't know what uh, Zimbabwe is, then well, one would say, well, it is a, it is a country. Now, a country is the general uh, uh, concept um, uh, relative to, to those things which Zimbabwe is a, is a part of. And now I'm, I'm just saying that I understand that this word is part of the, um, the, the, the it's contextualizable in the geographic sphere, let's say. It's, it's, it's part of geography, it's something to, having to do with geography. Geography, I know what it is, etc., etc. The unknowable is known by means of adding it to the knowable. And meaning in general is in context. Okay? Just open a, just open a, a dictionary. And what does dictionary do? They define words and definitions are possible only by the contextualization of, of words. If you want things which cannot be put into context have no meaning. You can also say the opposite. Things which cannot be put in a context have no meaning. Here, on the contrary, says Levinas, the face is meaning all by itself. The face is inherently meaningful. 
when I encounter a face, again, this encounter is meaningful not only because I cannot put the other into context, because we saw the other is not that which can be put into context. The other is not the professor of the Sorbonne, is not the uh, Supreme Court, etc., etc., is not. Which is, that's not who he really is in the encounter with him. When I encounter the other, and I imagine that I know who he is, again, I contextualize him, I say, well, he's a professor, he's a father, he's a, I don't know, Belgian, he's a, etc., etc. I actually, I actually am put, I'm putting barriers between myself and, and, and him, because this encounter, in a way, is very, is so intense, if it had to be really experienced for what it is, to be so intense that we tend to, to just Re recontextualize the other. Recontextualize. It's possible. I can try to. I can say, well, Levinas is a professor of the Sorbonne, etc., etc. But the encounter with the other, if Levinas would have been here, the real encounter of the other has this quality that it completely um, erases or completely uh, pushes aside all those definitions which are part of this other which is in front of me, but which actually hides the face of the other more than they reveal it. Do you follow me? Is, does this description appeal to you? Um, I don't really understand how you can say the face, the, the contextualization of the face just creates barriers. And so then what's left? That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question because you see how we tend to understand meaning as context. Yeah. What is left is not the understanding of the other. That's exactly the point of Levinas. We, have, we are not... In the, the relation with the other should not be understood as a relation of understanding should not be conceived as a relation in which we, have to, we are to understand the other. Okay, but then, but, but how do we, look, if you don't have knowledge, then what do you have? Relationship. A relationship. The pure fact of the other appearing to me. Okay. Which is, which is not a relation of knowledge. Again, I have a knowledge of this watch, I have a knowledge of Levinas' philosophy, I have a knowledge of technology, etc., etc. I can have a knowledge of other people. I can know a lot of things about all of you. And you can know a lot of things about me. But relation, a relation, the relation with the other, the appearance, the appearance of the other, the face, the being face of the other is not about knowing the other. The appearance of the other, the moment where the other appeared to me, is a moment where something else is revealed to me. What is revealed to me? My ethical duties. That's what they say. The fact that I cannot kill. I'm not in the sphere of knowledge, but 
in the sphere of in the ethical sphere let's say I'm transposed from the sphere of knowledge to the sphere of the ethical if you want let's take Sartre's example Sartre's he, he describes his He's a better phenomenologist than Levinas because he has those literary qualities, and so his descriptions are always more uh, juicy. So, 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 imagine this following situation: you are in a room, and you are you are alone in the room. You are alone in a room, and being alone in a room means that the room you you recognize yourself in this room. You you have you have some points that can help you to posit yourself in the room. You know that there is a table, that there are bookshelves and books on the shelves, and the door, etc. etc. The room is yours. Okay. You enter a room, if we are alone, the room is ours. Even though it's not Trisha is not uh, my property. If I'm alone in a room, the room is felt as if it is mine. Okay. Now, if I realize that there is a chair, I didn't realize before, and now I realize there is a chair in the room. Well, basically that would not be a problem. The chair would just add itself to those things that are part of the room which is mine. Or if suddenly I realize that there is a clock again, then my room will be, f will be filled with more and more elements which all would be, would be mine. But now imagine that another person enters in the room and try to do a phenomenological exercise which means don't 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 try to psychologize it just try to just try to 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 be sensible to to what your deepest feeling are at this moment to are you what, what's your intuition at this moment when the other enters the room when the en other enters the room something of a different order happens. Sartre says, the other steals from me my room. That's what, I'm, that's what I feel. Suddenly I'm uncomfortable. Maybe I feel I have to talk with him. Maybe suddenly I'm un like the world, like it was good without him. You know this word, this famous word of Sartre. Evil is the, uh, yeah. hell is the others. But that, that's what he means. Bef hell is the, the others. Yeah, that's a very famous uh, saying of Sartre in a, in a play called uh, Beyond Closed Doors. No exit. Uh, no exit, it, yeah. No exit. In French, it's a reclos. Reclos is uh, when you do a judgment and the doors are closed. You know, when you can enter. You have it also. Um, okay, so the, the other, when the other enters in the room, I feel as if he is. His presence fills the room. Suddenly, his presence fills the room. Yes. But it's not. The chair does not fill the room. The chair is in the room. The other fills the room. Fills the room. And if the other fills the room, and I fill the room too, then there is a problem because there is only one room. So, even as. Excuse me, Sartre says, well, the other steals from me. My world. The, the 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 entrance of the other in the room is felt as my world being stolen from me 
by the other. I don't want to say what happens when the other looks at me, because for me, for Safa, that's only the first stage. The other enters in the room, and I didn't look at him. But if if our looks are meeting, or if the other looks at me, then if Safa says, well, when the other looks at me, then I f- then I feel not only that he steals my words, but that he steals myself. I am objectified by him. Suddenly, I'm part of his world. What does it mean? Me being part of his world. So there's a lot of a balagan going on when the other enters the room. A metaphysical drama is happening, not less, when the other enters the room. Levinas, Levinas understands also, that's his deepest understanding, that the other is not the same, the, 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 the presence of the, the phenomenon of the other is fundamentally different than the world that we encounter uh, around us. The, the, objective world or the material world that we have around us. The encounter with the other is indeed a revolution, is indeed a drama. But for Levinas, for Levinas this drama is not a drama of, it's not a, this kind of feeling that I, my being is stolen, that my world, world is, is flowing away. Levinas proposes another perspective, or proposes another description. Levinas says, the face, actually, if I look at the face, without being afraid of my freedom being taken from me, maybe freedom is not the most important thing, and, I, and that's why I shouldn't be afraid of my freedom being taken from me. That would be the big, big difference between Sartre and Levinas. Let, let's leave this aside. Levinas says, well, in fact, and here he argues with Sartre. He says, no, Sartre, you, you, you didn't see something very important. Maybe the, other, the, the, the entrance of the other in, in the room is a metaphysical drama. But it is, it, is, but it is a positive metaphysical drama. Because the entrance of the other in the room means that I suddenly I am part not only of the, let's say, material world of, or of the objective world but the other is imposing upon me an ethical order the entrance of the other in the room coincides with the birth by the moment when I discover myself as being an ethical person in Levinas's words the other says you shall not kill it's an imperative. You thou shall not kill. Okay, the other is not something in the world. It is not understood. Now I'm, I'm returning to the idea of context. It's not understood as being part of a world which is mine and which I understand by means of contextualizing and contextualizing and bringing together and relating, etc., etc. The other, in a way, breaks this egocentric way of grasping the world. The other is other when he challenges my egocentric way of being in the world. 
And this challenge, again, is not felt for Levinas as something terrible. He's taking away my ego, he's taking away my freedom, but as something positive, as something meaningful. Meaning without context, the other, the face, thou shall not kill. This is the inaugural scene of, the, of ethics. This is the first moment of ethics. This is where um, one discovers, experiences his ethical being. And last point, he experiences it, he experiences it as a subordination to the other. In the, in the literal uh, sense of the word, subordinate mean there is an order which is higher than me. Subordinate. Subordinate. subordinate, subordinate. I'm subordinate to the other, but it, that, without the other impelling anything by means of force, be, be, uh, without the other being, the other is the weak, the other is without defense, the other is, is this, this naked, destituted face. It's not, the other is not the police, the other is not the law even. The law with the you know capital L, the law of the state, the law of the other presentifies a commandment without any means of without any power of imposing of of, of imposing it upon me or, or of enforcing it on me. So it's it's a weak command. The, the encounter with the other is an encounter with a weak so command. Subordinate. It's subordinate because this command is weak in terms of of power, but so it's powerful in terms of of its ethical meaning. You also said not subordinate. You, huh? said, you also specified not subordinate the way we use it in common language that someone is above us, but. That there is this order above, above, I guess maybe you and me, which is which we live under. I mean, yeah, that's this. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And here we 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 get closer and closer to this to, to this scheme. The the, the encounter with the other, so the, the other subordinate, subordinate in this sense. You're right. So the in order to to the to the good, yes, to the yeah. good. The encounter with the other is felt as a subordination to the order of the good. Again, here I'm not looking at the other and saying, well, I might kill him or I might not kill him. I might, you know, respond to his call or I might. Not. Of course, eventually. I can I can be unworthy of this of this call. I can I can do evil. But the first moment is not one where those two stand before me as equals. The first moment is not this. It's not it's not it's not a moment where I look at good and evil as if they were equal. Subordinated to me. I'm subordinated to the good, of course I can I can I can do wrong, I can do evil. 
I mean, that doesn't say that men are good. Far from this, but he says that humanity of one of, of men is being able to hear, being able to hear the height of the good. Being able to hear the height of the good is possible through the encounter of the face of the other, which is very again common situation after all. Yeah. That moment of being, when you're alone in the room, there is, I mean, in my opinion, a feeling, there is no such thing as good or evil. Mm-hmm. If you're alone in the world, or, yeah. you know, so it's that first moment of being hu- human, you know, which is, I don't know, I always picture evolution or something, the first creature that looked into someone else's face and recognized that, uh, that they were both existing and similar in existing. I mean, there was, you know, you went from an ape. At some point, if you, I mean, in the secular, secular vision of the, the world, just at some point, it went from every creature being alone, surviving, to two creatures looking at each other and realizing that there's some other creature that all, is also afraid and cold at night and uh, all these things. I mean, it's just that transition between subjectivity being separate from anything else mm-hmm. and subjectivity being uh, whatever they, they call it co- co-subjectivity or, but there's more than one subjectivity intersubjectivity or, or like a little child right, becoming separated from their mother and realizing that she also has feelings or uh, no you are mixing something else into it, uh, mixing the Lacan or Freud thing right. but, uh, well, I'm just trying to. Casually, yeah. Well, I'm trying to connect to this yeah, yeah, experience okay. of uh, so, some so consciousness. Yeah, if if you if you want to, you know, to inscribe it in a kind of Darwinistic uh, history of of humankind, which to which Levinas does not adhere, or he does not discuss it. It's not it's not part of it, the range of things he feels it is important. But but let's say that so so. So eventually, yes, eventually you could say that the, 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 the birth of ethics is uh, when two separate human beings suddenly came to look one in the face of the other and realized that there was, they, 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 were, uh, they were compelled, but in the sense we have said, to, to, to the good, obliged to the good. But again, Levinas does not uh, goes, go uh, yeah, no, no, into no. those those uh, those speculations. He would say, well, uh, we have we have, and, and that's where it can be interesting to, to follow up with what uh, you said. He uh, would say the Bible, the Bible, is this literature accounting for this ethical situation? Okay, the Bible for Levinas would be. A the, this literature, which which is an expression, which is the the literary, cultural, whatever you want, if you take the theories of the non non orthodox theories of, of the Bible, does not important. It is no important for Levinas what which were the historical circumstances of the writing of the Bible. What's important for him is what does this text accounts for, and here he says, well, he would say the Bible accounts for a true encounter with the other. It's a kind, it's this, 
literary documents which is the expression of humans assuming their humanity. Okay. And, and he, but then that's another subject. He would say, when in here, if you compare this text to Hom Homer or to other primitive texts, founding texts, uh, cultural founding texts, well, then th this, this would need uh, very detailed uh, analysis. And maybe when we see the text about, about creation of women, we'll see there is a very nice comparison between. Uh, tragedy and revelation, we will see it. He would say, well, the biblical text or revelation is about this ethical encounter. Would, would you say that the Bible is an ethical encounter? The Bible would be, for Levinas, the expression, the literary expression or the cultural expression of humans uh, completely aware and assuming their ethical condition. Okay. Okay? And you're talking about the whole Bible, but really, uh, for me, it's easier to focus on just the creation story. We won't get into, you know, the but stories I mean, of Shaul and David, and uh, no, no. or of, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's not one on one. You know, I can't, I cannot, you know, can pinpoint, you know, those. But he would say that the the the, 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 the general the general ambiance of the revealed texts of the Bible is is this. Of a true encounter with transcendence, meaning with God, but which is completely embedded in a, true, uh, a description or a, a story about human relations. But that, that's, we, we've gone too far. I don't. I want to, to return to our to the phenology of, of the faith because that's that was very interesting. Huh? <laughs> that was very interesting. <laughs> I hope the rest was too. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't want to. Uh, now I want to um, to read one last passage. Um, that you know, will, I guess, be more just in order to add to what we have. Uh, said uh, things that Levinas writes, uh, but I have already said them uh, to the... Um, so, so, so I think there will be no need of, of commenting them, but I want to read them in the text. So it's on page 88, uh, the bottom of the page. And here you, you see how it, it connects to this idea of the height of the good, the height of the faith, the height of the other. So um, please... In the face of the other, you say there is an elevation, a height. The other is higher than I am. What do you mean by that? The first word of the face is the thou shalt not kill. It is an order. There is a commandment in the appearance of the face, as if the master spoke to me. However, at the same time, the face of the other is destitute. It is the, it is the poor for whom I can do all and to whom I owe all. And me, whoever I may be, but as a first person. I am he who finds the resources to respond to the call. Here you have the, you know, the concise, uh, concise formulation of uh, what Levinas understands as the relation to the other. It is an order. There is an order emanating from the face of the other, which is an ethical order, and to which I am obliged before I am free, before I can descend. Now, I want to ask you a question. Um, 
from the text we've just read, or there is here, Levinas is hinting at something without too much disclosing what he is hinting at, but it is there is a link between this text and Sinai and the revelation at Mount Sinai. Where do you see this link? Do you see this link? It's four words. Thou shalt not kill. Exactly. Thou shalt not kill is a quotation. I just want to to bring together those two texts and that's the way Levinas does his... that's how Levinas ties together his philosophy and his religious texts. Levinas does not say that the, the, the encounter with the face of the other is the birthplace of the ethical. He says it, but, if, but when he wants to emphasize the meaning of the encounter with the other, what does he do? He quotes. He quotes. And what does he quote? So he quotes the sixth of the tenth commandments, of the ten commandments, thou shalt not kill, not not If we push this practice of quotation to its last resources, we could say, well, the relation to the other is actually a revelation of God. Because who says thou shalt not kill? Doshanatkin is, is God's sixth commandment. Doshan. So to be to be in a relation of the other with the other, to see the face or to be interpelled by the interpelled by the face of the other means to be in a relation with God. The relation with God in this sense goes through the relation with the other who commands me Doshanatkin. Every face is a little Sinai. It's like the whole Sorry? That's what you say? It, it's, the, what did he say? Um, the whole concept of the Salem al they made me in the image of God. Yeah. So, so just, just notice that he doesn't go there, Devinas. Huh? There, there are places where he speaks about Salem al Okay? Salem al is this famous. Genesis phrase, uh, verse where it says that God was, uh, that man was created in the image of God. <coughs> so, but being in the image of God for Levinas, we can take this verse and we can take this this metaphor and think being in the image of God is not a romantic romantic idea of man being resemblant to God or God having given something of his high divinity to to man. Being in the resemblance of God with God, being Betzelem Elohim, for Levinas, means that I encounter God in the face of the other as a commandment, as an ethical commandment. That would, that's what Selem Elohim would mean for Levinas. Again, I encounter God through the face of the other, which commands me not to kill, which imposes upon me the ethical order. Because Dershon that kill is just, if you want, it's just the title of, of what we call ethics. It's just the, the, the pen, the, the, the pinnacle of, of ethics.
let's now return to the Talmudic lecture. And maybe let's read um, and what we have seen now we will see immediately will help us to, to close our study of this Talmudic lecture. Let's take on page 45. And here is uh, this is the last section of our of our Talmudic lecture, and you have page uh, 47 also, 46, 47. Okay, you have the text. Mm -hmm. I think I for those who I have a few texts left here, so <coughs> okay, I read the text and then we comment. Rabbi, I, I, I read uh, the text of the time. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer has, has said, When the Israelites committed to doing before hearing a voice from heaven cried out, Who has revealed to my children the secrets, the angels? You want the text? Um, the angel makes us make, make use of, for it is written, Bless the Lord, O his angels, you might, mighty ones, who do his words, hearkening to the voice of his word. So, exactly. Yeah. We are speaking about the doing before hearing, the Nasev Nishma, and here Rabbi Eliezer said that Nasev Nishma is a mystery of the angels. It's not a childish attitude, but a mystery of angels. Something which is of a higher degree. Some Wisdom, which is a wisdom of angels. And then there is another metaphor, and this is the metaphor who interests, which interests us. Rav Chama Bar Chanina has said, Like an apple tree admits the trees of the forest is my beloved amidst the young man. Sons of sons. Uh, Why is Israel compared to an apple tree? Answer, to teach you that just as on an apple tree, fruits precede leaves. Israel committed itself to doing before hearing. So, Nasev Nishma is a wisdom of angels, a secret of angels, a secret of angels, first metaphor. Second metaphor, Israel are compared to a tree whose fruits precede its leaves. Did you say mystery of angels? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The Rav Khanna Bar Khanina, said, actually. It's in the, it's in the text, okay? My mystery God. of angels. I would give you formulation, but yeah. Page 45, on the bottom of the, the, the page, leaving, uh, or let's take on page 46. 46. Page 46. For our question, that of the temptation of temptation, the idea of a fruit preceding leaves is obviously essential. The Torah is received outside any exploratory foray, outside any gradual development. The truth of the Torah is given without any precursor, without first announcing itself in its idea without announcing itself in its essay, in its rough draft, or, if to use the 
language of the text we've seen, the Torah is given without context. The Torah is given without context. There is nothing which prepares us to the reception of the Torah. It is a ripe fruit which is given and thus taken and not that which can be offered to the childish hand groping and exploring. There is no leaves that precedes the fruit. The fruit is there immediately. The true which offers itself in such a fashion is the good. Not allowing the one who receives it time to look around and explore. Again this idea that the good is higher. The good is not subject to exploration. The good is imposed upon us by virtue of its goodness. Its urgency is not a limit imposed on freedom, but a test more than freedom, more than the isolated subject that freedom established, to an undeniable responsibility, and now I'm just jumping to the end of the passage, to an undeniable responsibility, which is the ultimate secret of subjectivity. Just that the translation here is very bad and I just prefer to... Okay. The ultimate secret of subjectivity is this undeniable responsibility. And now let's jump and here let's jump to page 47. This will be the last pass the passage we'll read before uh, elaborating a little bit. But here you will see how Levinas himself links what we have just seen to his commentary. Page 47, on the bottom of the page, the last paragraph. But here is where the logical integ integrity of subjectivity leads. The direct relation with the true, or with good, with the good, excluding the prior examination of its terms, its idea, that is, the reception of revelation can only be the relation with a person, with another. The Torah is given in the light of a face. And that's, that's, that's really the, 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 the line where Levinas links his philosophy of the face, his philosophy of the encounter with the other, to his commentary of Revelation at Mount Sinai. The Torah is given in the light of a face. It has the same way of giving itself. The Torah gives itself the same way a face gives itself. It gives itself not to grasping, not to, to knowledge before doing, but to a kind of responsibility that precedes liberty, that precedes freedom. It inaugurates an order where the good precedes me. I am subject to the good, the good is not subject to me. The epiphany of the other person, or the, the revelation of the other person, and here Levinas really adopts a, a religious language in order to describe the appearance of the other. Epiphany means revelation. So there is a revelation of the face. The face reveals itself, the same way God reveals itself. Or even in a more intensive way, because God, after 
the Prophet did not reveal himself anymore at least to my best knowledge. I would say at a time where God is not revealing himself the way he revealed himself in the times of the Prophets or at Mount Sinai, etc., the other is the only access we have to his divinity, to his height, to his goodness. The epiphany of the other person is ipso facto, immediately, my responsibility towards him. It's not that I see the other and then I realize I'm responsible to him, but seeing the other means being responsible for the other. Seeing the other means responding to the call, or at least being called, being called to respond. I am responsible. Seeing the other is already an obligation towards him. In this sense, the relation with the other is the paradigm of the Nasev and Ishma inversion. If you want to understand what Nasev and Ishma is, what the meaning of Nasev and Ishma is, Levinas says, well, look at the true relation with the other. Look at the true face-to-face -face relationship. It's not, again, to return to something we have seen, it's not the Bubov translation we said, well, you have to do in order to understand. No. Doing here is not a mode of understanding, but a way of committing to the good unconditionally. Seeing the other is already an obligation towards him. A direct optics, without the mediation of any idea, can only be accomplished as ethics. Integral knowledge of revelation, the receiving of the Torah, is ethical behavior. Such a knowledge, let's, let's read another few lines, such a knowledge does not need to interrupt its course to ask itself what road to follow. What page? I'm it's 40, 40, 47, on the bottom of the page. Such a knowledge does not need to interrupt its course to ask itself what road to follow. Oriented as it is from the beginning, you, you follow? Mm -hmm. We will do and we will hear does not express the purity of a trusting soul of a naive soul, but the structure of subjectivity clinging to the Absolute. The knowledge which takes its distance, the knowledge without faith, is logically torturous, temptation of temptation. Examining prior to adherence, excluding adherence, indulging in temptation is, above all, a degeneration of reason. And only as a result of this, the corruption of morality. Levinas here has a fundamental say about subjectivity, about what it is to be human, and about ethics, and of course about revelation. And he links the three together. The text we have studied about the revelation 
of God to Israel at Mount Sinai says something has something to say about the fundamental structure of subjectivity that's how Levinas calls it the fundamental structure of subjectivity am I first free or am I first responsible what comes what comes first? And this is, now we can say, this is not a, a neutral question. This is, this is a question which determines the nature of ethics for temptation of temptation, for Western humanity, as Levinas sees it, who puts freedom at the highest uh, rank, who puts freedom at the most, uh, who actually uh, give a definition of, of humankind as freedom man is first and foremost free well, if this is the case morality will not only take the second place but its very nature will be, will be undermined the moment you put the ethical, the ethical sphere as, as, a sub, as subordinated to my freedom well, in fact you have lost the, the ethical in its first place. The ethical is, can be sustained only if there is something in the subject which is deeper, which is more original than liberty. Levinas calls it responsibility. Responsibility to the other, the ability to hear the call of the other the call of the other, the encounter with the other, the revelation of the faith opens up to a sphere which is completely different than the one in which the subject is self-compliant, self-immersed uh, in, in, in himself and tends to put his freedom, his freedom of choice as the ultimate measure of everything. Now we can return to to this to the first actually the first paragraph of the Talmudic lecture. This this this, this question of violence. You remember we, we spoke about violence. In the beginning was violence, says said Levinas. Kafale Marigit, God God menaced Israel and put the, 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 the mountain upside down on their heads saying if you will accept the Torah then good and if not he will be your grave, your grave. Eventually this is a metaphor of the imperative of the imperative of the good of this, of this first commandment which is not a commandment which is a commandment which precedes every commandment the commandment not to kill. The commandment to be attentive to something which is not decided only by myself. The ethical order, says Livnas, is not something that you choose. That you choose. The, because if you choose the ethical, well, the ethical is, al is already not what you choose. Huh? Then you're free to not choose it. Because so. then you're free to not choose it, and then it becomes relative. In this sense, indeed, ethics is about kafa le markings. 
if it's not about kafali marking it, if it's not about if this metaphor, if we don't have this metaphor, if we don't embrace this metaphor in our et in our relation to the ethical or our, in our understanding of what it is to be ethical, then it's then it's death. That is the, the alternative between Torah and death. Remember between between the, the good and death. Then we are in a sphere which is extramoral, which is this Hamanic sphere, this, uh, this sphere of Purim, with, which is only about relation of relations of power, uh, tragic tra tragedy, uh, faith, etc., etc. Is it a conscious acceptance? Sorry. Is it a conscious like? Are you aware that you're now like you've now entered a sphere of being ethical? This this awareness goes together with the acceptance. Levinas would say, "There is an awareness, the, uh, an awareness, of course." But we're not. You're saying it's not a choice. Not it's not a choice. No, it's not a choice. But there is. But I'm not unconscious. But it's not a choice. Again, try to try to imagine or try to this what Levinas uh, describes. Okay, this this first call, this first commandment. And again, Levinas gives a phenomenology, if you don't hear it, then it's not a question, and we have to try to dig further and try to, uh, to show better how the other is actually uh, commanding me, how the face of the other is a commandment. Okay? But once we hear this, if we understand what Levinas is talking about, if we see what Levinas is talking about, that there is a kind of ethical quality to the relation of the other, it is not that I'm ethical and now I'm actually implying my ethics while encountering the other. No, the other is actually imposing on me the ethical order. Right, so my question is in a way that you're aware or in a way that's just like, I, how is that transferred? What, what would, what, what it, would it mean? Or because yes, it's, you can speak of, a, about a, of an ethical feeling, of an ethical awareness. I'm ethically aware, yes. I become ethically aware. Whether you like it or not. Whether I like it or not. Exactly. Now, being ethically aware is something different than being uh, cognitively aware or scientifically aware. Aware. Okay. So, but yes, indeed, uh, it's not. I, 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 it's, it's even a very good way of formulating it. It's the birth of the ethical awareness. Which he's, he's experienced in his own life, but not everybody seems to uh, make the choice for ethical behavior. It's not that it's not that he's not aware, like he said in the other thing, that murder. We can still people can still choose murder. Yeah, it's something else. It's not that there is no choice if you're a human being, basically, to be ethical. But you can choose somehow or not become a human being somehow in this world. To be, you can choose to betray your ethical. Vocation. The, and Livian says it explicitly in the text. Uh, you can, you can, you, the choice is not whether to be ethical or not ethical. The choice would be whether to to be faithful to your ethical vocation or to betray it. This is because. 
we, we got there uh, quite naturally. So let's let's just and that's how we we really finish the, our lecture. And because the, the end of the Talmudic passage is actually about betrayal and faithfulness. It's about Tmimut and and and, and Resha. And it is this this very strange story um, of. Uh, Rabbi, I think, page 46, 47. A Sadducee saw Rabbi buried in study. Do you have it? Okay, okay I'm sorry, I will. will, will no problem, go, go for it. So, but it's, it's okay if we go for, for five more minutes? Not more. So he says, the Sadducee saw Rabbi buried in study, holding his fingers beneath his two foot and rubbing it so hard that blood spurted from it. And then the Sadducee, Lemina says, the Sadducee is, under, is a European. He, he is saying to Rabbi, people in a hurry for whom the mouth passes before the ears. You speak before hearing, you give your agreement before examining. He's actually blaming uh, Rabbi for representing these people who said Nasser Nishma. We shall do and then we shall hear. You are always in a state of headlong haste. Yeah, you, you should have listened in order to know whether you were able to accept. And if you were not able to accept, you should not have accepted. So that's why Levinas says that, uh, that the Sadducee is a European. Okay? Because he is actually accepting only the order of temptation of temptation. He is only the... He's not. And, then he's, and then the answer of Rabbah, which is a very, very strong answer and very... Sorry, what page are you on? I'm page, now I'm page 47. It's the whole Vishnu is actually 31, or the Mara. Yeah, yeah, true, so true, but I'm just reading okay. the... Okay, okay, thank you. Sorry. On page 47? Yeah, yeah on page, I'm just reading the, 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 the Gemara. I'm, re I'm reading the Gemara. Yeah. So, so Rabbi answers, it is written, written about us who walk in integrity, the integrity of the upright guides them. Tumat Yesharim Tanchem. And Tumat is from the terms, term Tmimut. Tmimut is usually translated as naivety, uh, or as the, in the in spoken language, to be a Tamim means to be naive, but here Levinas understands Tmimut as integrity, integrity which, is, which is another translation, not less word. Uh, um, uh, an equal uh, translation. The integrity of the uprights guides them to Matthew Shalim Tanchem. About those who walk upon torturous paths, it is written, the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. And here he's really putting like, things at this level where he says, and indeed, to be, to choose evil is not to be in front of two equally valuable uh, terms and to choose one upon the other. It is a question of tremut, of integrity, or of rishut, of wickedness, crookedness. Let's, and this is how we definitely conclude our study of today. On page 48, the 
the paragraph one before uh, the last one. This uprightness is called Trimut. The essence of Jacob. Integrity taken in its logical meaning and not as a characteristic of a childlike disposition indicates if it is true uh, taught if it is taught true to the end an ethical configuration but Jacob the man of integrity the most upright of men Ishtam is also the man aware of evil crafty and industrious. See you next week. We'll study uh, for the uh, remaining uh, three uh, meetings. We'll study the text on God who creates uh, the woman and there maybe we'll speak about Darwin and the Kedemelachim and uh, all 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 this stuff. See you. Those who have... uh, Nobody has the text uh, besides you? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Mm-hmm.